0: episode under our brand new reband the future footy podcast is no more y'all from here on out will be officially known as 90 and 60 plus so new name new logo new intro music as y'all just heard but same old podcast same four co-host same subject four friends discussing the beautiful game every single week on thursday afternoon so without further ado guys i'll introduce our four co-host my name is christian y'all coming to you and i'm super excited to be part of this new rebrand I got my homies here with me, Chris.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: We also got the homie Aldo with us.
2: What's up, guys? It's your boy, Aldo.
0: And last but not least, uh, our friend, Saul.
2: Hey, how y'all doing?
0: Yeah, so brand new name, guys, but it's still just the same for fellas talking football every single week here on 90 and 60+. Gentlemen, how are we doing? How are we feeling under the new rebrand, our first episode under 90 and 60 plus?
3: Very excited, man. I'm very excited. You know, it's always nice to see that we're putting in all this work uh, to this podcast and just having fun with it. So very excited for me.
1: Yeah, same here. Just happy to have some music in finally. Happy to have a new logo in there too. Yeah, it's exciting to see where we'll go.
2: Yeah, you know, I agree with these guys. I think uh, Future Footy Podcast was a good original name, but I felt like we needed to move on. I felt it was a bit confusing to some people as, uh, you know, also as football fans, footy means football, but some of the other ones that means something else. So, you know, now we finally have a name that everyone, I, I think, understands.
0: Yeah, guys, I 1,000% agree with the rest of y'all. Uh, I, for one, am so happy to never say the words, welcome back to the Future Footy podcast ever again in my life. 90 and 60, it just sounds a lot more professional, gives a lot more credibility to our podcast. And like Chris and Aldo mentioned, guys, we're going to be putting out a lot more contact apart apart from podcast. So we're going to start putting out videos on our socials. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. But as always, guys, we kick off our podcast now named 90 and 60 plus with our biggest takeaways from the week just past. All right, Chris, I'll kick off with you. What was your uh, biggest takeaway from the week?
1: Yeah. My biggest takeaway is realizing how not for me, how much international break is not for me. I think I'm just happy that club football is coming back this weekend. Cause yeah, I'm not really interested in those international games. So what yeah,
3: you're saying that. is you're not into the world cup.
1: Ooh, there's a tournament like the world cup or copa america or the euros then i'll definitely tune in but these qualifiers are just I feel like they go on for so long and they interrupt club football which is really what we're all here about
2: yeah i just way. want to i agree with chris real quick i just want to say they there's got to be like a faster way to get through these qualifiers instead of stopping club football like every three months there's got to be a different solution
0: so right off the bat, guys, we kick off 90 and 60 plus with a hot take from, I guess all three of us or all four of us. I mean, I think long time listeners will know that Chris tends to keep a little bit more quiet and reserved when it comes to these podcasts that take place during the international break. Nothing wrong with that, but you know, everyone has their own different uh, taste and flavors when it comes to football. But uh, good takeaway there, Chris. Good, good way to take, kick off the show. Although, what about you, bro? What stood out to you?
3: Oh, yeah. For me, I mean, I think it just happened recently. I think it was today uh, or yesterday. But first is going to like this because it's, it's with the Prem Club Football. But they finally made the decision to give clubs in the Prem uh, for the Premier League, by the Premier League, to have five subs, which is great. Especially now since they're planning to extend, like, you know, the Champions League and all that stuff, just adding more games to the players, that just takes a big toll, and I think this is a big win for coaches and players.
0: Another strong takeaway. Uh, Saul, what about you, man? What stood out to you the most?
2: Well, To me, I'm actually going to bring it over to women's football, and it was the fact that uh, Barca, uh, Barca's women uh, football team, uh, they broke the record, the attendance record for most uh, spectators in one match, uh, not just in you know, in Europe, but they broke the whole world uh, with, I think it was like 91,553 or something like that. So, you know, it's just, uh, I think it's also, it was also the highest attendance in any European football match, uh, like regardless of men and women, it was the highest attended one this season. So, you know, it's just, uh, it just tells you about the strides uh, women's football is taking and, you know, it's looking like it's growing more and more. Which is good to see.
3: Yeah, it's definitely good to see. You know, um, I just hope that leads the way more for for the woman aspect of the sport. You know, for the women's national teams and the clubs and everything. Uh, I think it's important we get there because, yeah, the games is meant to be for everyone, enjoyed by everyone, watched by everyone. Um, so it's a big, big win there. I think it's a big statement, and then also. Right now, I think our old high school girls soccer team is playing right now I don't know, in Eagle Valley, so as we all know, that's a big rivalry over here.
0: Yeah guys, another reason why uh, it's called the most beautiful sport in the world, or the beautiful game of football. it does not close its doors to anyone regardless of their race, um, gender uh, sexual quality or anything like that. So very nice that we can all live under this one umbrella and live peacefully. But I'll round off the takeaways with mine, y'all. And I actually want to kind of bring mine to a little bit of a talking point because, as mentioned before, international break doesn't have a lot of football to talk about. But very interested to see what you have to say about this all, though. My biggest takeaway for the week is kind of the backhanded comments that Luke Shaw and Paul Pogba have made regarding Manchester United on international duty. So Pogba, and I'm just paraphrasing here, this is not direct quotes, but... He said something along the lines of, "It's hard to be playing regular at Manchester United when you often change position, or change position, game systems or partners in Manchester United. Do I really have a role?" I asked the question, and I don't have an answer. Um, he goes on to say, "You have to be honest. The last five seasons have not satisfied me at all. We want, we won't win anything, and I want to win trophies." And then shortly after that, Luke Shaw made comments after the England game, saying, "When I come here." I play with a smile on my face. It's always important to feel like you're wanted, and I think especially here I always feel that. I'm not saying I don't at United, but there, but here especially I do. Of course, it's hard to enjoy when we're losing and we're not playing well at the cl- at the club level. It makes me, it makes it hard to enjoy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we've talked about the toxic atmosphere at Manchester United now for a while, but uh, now it's kind of coming out publicly in a very in a manner that I'm sure, you know, the coach and the hierarchies at United wouldn't want it to come out. But although you're the um, resignated Manchester United fan here on 90 and 60, what do you think of all this?
3: Yeah, the old me would just basically go off on Sean Pogba for their quotes. You know, I could say something on the lines where, like, you know what, they're not even fit enough to play for the jersey. The jersey's too heavy for them. Uh, The badge is too heavy for them. They, They just can't do it. It's too much pressure for them. That would have been the old me with the old Manchester United. Um, I think right now, United is still a big club, but they just fallen off the rail. I I have to agree with with Pogba. Um, where in the last five years, it's just been, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs. I think the you know the brightest up was when Ole took over, um, and then eventually it went down again. It's hard. It's hard to accept it. But I think Pogba's right at this point, you know, there has been a lot of change and and I think that change is still still gonna keep going as long as those glaciers are there. We gotta figure that out first. Um, you know, if, if we don't get rid of the glazers or if the glazers don't change their type of mentality, um, United's you know, gonna be in a rut. It's hard to say that. Uh, more than they have been already. Uh, as far as Shaw's comments, uh that just comes down to to the individual. Uh, I mean, same thing. He's been – he br- was brought over by Van Gaal, uh, and then he just was there for a bunch of changes, you know, from Mourinho to basically belittling, belittling him uh, week in, week out, to basically anyone, you know, and, and it's it's hard. But that's what I'm going to say now. You know, the old me definitely would have just beat them down, Um but right now, just stepping, a, a, you know, a step, taking a step back and actually examining things when I have to agree with them.
1: Yeah. I just to agree with Aldo there. Um, we've been saying it for a while. Pogba doesn't look happy. He doesn't look happy on the field. He looks disinterested and these comments just prove that. So yeah, uh, it's just going to, it's going to be interesting to see where he, where he fits in the next couple of years. And, uh, Yeah, Man United just look like they've been transitioning for quite a long time now, and they have no real manager to just settle them down and take them where they want to go. It looks like every couple of years they just bring a new guy in and just the rotating door of new managers. They just need someone to stick with. Maybe that's what they're going to do now with Ralph Ragnick, but yeah, I agree with everything these guys had to say.
2: I think what's his name, uh, Louis van Gaal, said it. It uh, the manager of uh, Netherlands. I think he said it best. He said uh, he was asked about whether what he thought of Ten Hag possibly going to United, and he said he's like uh, he said he's like he should go to a football club. He's like because United is a commercial club, not a football club. And I think uh, that sums him up best.
0: Well, if no one else has anything to say about that matter, um, we'll move on to our next subject. And normally, guys, on our podcast, we usually cover the top five leagues and the top results that happen in those leagues, but obviously, a bit difficult right now because of the international break, but we'll do it by region, so we'll kick off, and CONCACAF, you know, close to home, so they just rounded off their round of qualifying yesterday, I believe, and the US and Mexico have officially qualified for the World Cup, along with Canada, who did it in the previous match, but yeah, all three of CONCACAF's top secured spots have made it through. And Costa Rica will make it to the playoff spot, the international playoff spot, where they will face New Zealand. So, I mean, we talked about the Mexico and USA game uh, last podcast. uh, Very disappointing, very pragmatic. And I feel like this week's matches were much of the same. I mean, what do you guys think about them?
2: I mean, I found it surprising that the USA lost to Costa Rica, if I'm being honest. Which is why I've always said uh, the USA needs a different coach. Uh, Their potential is a lot higher than I think Canada is the Mexico's at the moment, and I think a good coach would bring it out of them. But yeah, I just found it crazy how uh, you know this is one of Mexico's worst sides in honestly quite a while, and they still managed to finish tied at the top of the Concacaf uh, with Canada and finish ahead of USA's Golden Generation by three points. So yeah, that was just just crazy to me. How shit we were, it still managed to finish second place, which just tells you about the quality of opposition in the CONCACAF, which I hope keeps growing.
0: Yeah, I'm sure U.S. fans at home were um, biting their nails nervously on their couch watching that game because Costa Rica only needed four more goals to uh, pip USA for that third and final um, securing spot for the World Cup, and that would send USA to the playoff round. But uh, yeah, uh, they only managed to put two past the USA, so... Um, they didn't get the job done there, but I want to say to my professor, Alfredo Sanchez, uh, who hails from Costa Rica, uh, if you're listening, shout out to you. And, uh, I'm actually going to submit this podcast episode as part of an assignment for school under his class. So hopefully he gives me an A, but, um, going back to Mexico a little bit. Um, I mean, so well, we mentioned in the last game that, uh, both teams played really pragmatic, but the bright spots in those games for Mexico, at least was the youngsters, um, we mentioned a lot of Alexis Vega, but in this most recent game against El Salvador, like against
3: the Mexico, win.
0: <laughs> bro, why'd you have to go there?
3: <laughs> true that. True that. Sign <laughs> you, bro. Captain America versus this guy? Battle of the asses.
0: Can I? Can I keep this in the pot or what?
2: Uh, I mean, for your home. professor wouldn't mind it, then, yeah.
0: Nah, he, he he'll he'll find this funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm keeping that in. Anyways, um, Uriel Antuna, uh, he actually was the star for Mexico in their last match against El Salvador, which to me, I found really satisfying being a Cruz Azul fan, and he's been on really good form for Cruz Azul this season, in a team that hasn't really reached the same heights as the previous seasons. But yeah, back to goal, looked very dangerous, and was one of the bright stars, and I hope that Tata notices that and continues to start him, because... Players like Chucky, Corona, Jimenez, they're just not doing it right now. And I feel like we should start embedding these young players and these players that are hungry and giving them more opportunities.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've always said it. This Mexican side, I think, is one of the oldest sides, not just in CONCACAF, but like in the whole qualifying region. Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, we need a revolution. I mean, it was nice seeing the youngsters get a start most of the games. Kind of ruined it last game when he started... uh, Jesus Gallardo, I mean, that guy is is a tronco, as we say in Mexico. He's a tronco. He deserves to be nowhere near the selection. Yeah, as you said, we got to give props to Costa Rica. I think they got, I don't want to butcher it, but I think it was 19 out of 21 points or something like that. They were like, they only had five points, and then they went on, I think, to get 19 out of 21 points to qualify for for the playoff spot. Yeah, it's just crazy to think of that. And I think this this last this last qualifying window, uh, they just called up a bunch of youngsters as well. So that's even more impressive. So yeah, shout out to Costa Rica. Is Mexico gonna be ready? Is Tata still gonna be there?
3: <laughs> that's my question. Yeah, I think Tata's gonna stay there. I think. I it's think too at late. this point. Fire, right? Yeah, I think at this point you have to stay with Tata now. Not because he's yeah. good or where, because it's, it's just, it's just the, the only option, you know?
2: Well, I want to say you that. You can't I mean, restart again. Jeez. I mean, me and Christian were talking about this before the podcast, but every coach I've heard mentioned uh, would come in to replace Tata, in my opinion, are either at the level of Tata is or below him. So, I mean, everyone's like talking about the Pyoho, Pyoho, But I feel like the same shit's going to happen with him as happens with every coach, you know? They come in, you know, you get that momentum of, like, hey, we got a new coach. He brings in his ideas and whatnot. But, like, you go on a good run for a couple games, and then you just become pragmatic after that. And then it's, like, the same cycle again. Like, hey, get rid of the coach. We need a new coach and whatnot. So I just feel like it'll be the same with any coach until we actually, like, have a actual overhaul of players, you know? Like, we actually – like, the, what I'm hoping for since we qualified well, for these international friendlies and whatever – Mexico has coming up. I hope we just go to the USA, right? Where we just uh, sacrifice results, but in return, we just call a bunch of youngsters and like start developing them into players that we can use for the future. Yeah, I think we're sticking with that. Guy. I mean, eight months away, you know, I think the coach would only have like four or five games to really prepare himself for the World Cup, so I don't think it's worth it. Bro, in the
0: 2018 World Cup, I did not have any faith in our coach then, Juan Carlos Osorio. In fact, I really hate that man. He's one of the worst Mexican coaches in history, in my opinion. Um, But I had faith in the players. So in this World Cup, this upcoming World Cup in Qatar, I will continue to put my faith in the players and not in the coach. Like Chicharito said, imaginamos cosas chingones. And hopefully Chicharito is there in 20. in Qatar in 2022, but we'll
2: uh, see. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> nah, I, hope he's, I hope he's there, but he's streaming at the Hotel War Zone or
0: something. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know what? I hope they call him up and he just, like we say, you know when we going to cagar palo and he just shits all over the fucking bed and you just see why he's not caught up anymore.
0: Nah, you guys will see. He's going to have a hell of a season for the Galaxy and he's going to go as Mex- Mexico's most informed striker. You guys will see
2: stay on the, the whole time
0: <laughs> maybe but at least he goes
2: now, now that i think i think i saw a report that said uh yon de luisa which is the he's the president of the mexican fa he pretty much he confirmed he said papa would be our coach for the world cup so unless something disastrous happens or his health doesn't allow him to go to world cup i don't I, we're not getting rid of papa until at least after the world cup
0: and to the usa fans out there as well um just because you guys have qualified for the World Cup does not mean it's too late to sack Greg Berhalter and get another coach in. Just letting y'all know that. But <laughs> don't,
2: make, don't make the mistake, Mexico is.
0: Yeah, you guys have a golden generation ahead of you. Don't, don't waste it with this coach. But That's enough CONCACAF, guys. We can stay on the subject forever. But we're going to move on to UEFA now, who did see two more teams officially qualify for the World Cup. So Poland advanced ahead of Sweden. They beat them 2-0 thanks to... Goals from their captain, Robert Lewandowski, and Napoli's uh, Pierre Zelensky. Really nice touch by Lewandowski having the Ukraine flag on his captain's armband. Really like to see that. And, yeah, it's kind of a shame because I really do like... I really do believe this Swedish... What?
3: Slotin ain't going.
0: What? I think
3: you were about to say that, but Slotin ain't going to the World Cup, dude. That is sad. I'm sorry.
0: Bro, that's the exact opposite of what I was going to (laughs) say. I was going to say it's a shame because... I really do believe the Swedish squad is more talented and has a brighter future ahead of themselves in Poland, given the young talent they have. But Lewandowski is the current um, standard for football right now. So I think it's hard for the young talent to overcome that. <laughs> but no, I agree with you, Saul. I mean, Aldo. Uh, definitely sad to see Slotan not playing another World Cup before he retires. And, and Portugal, uh, thanks to a brilliant performance by Bruno Fernandes. Uh, are heading to the World Cup as well. We will, and we still await on the other playoff round between Scotland and Ukraine, who the winner of that match will go on to face Wales. Yeah, Wales. So still one more spot to qualify for in Europe, but we'll see what happens.
2: Let's just say he renews his contract, which is my opinion. It, it, just to tell you how bad of a club, of uh, how badly ran United is, Bruno has three years left on his contract, yet they extended him again because they gave Sancho I think Sancho when he signed his contract he got his salary was higher than Bruno Fernandes so in order to make up for that they had to offer him a new contract which just tells you how badly United is wrong
3: man I didn't even think about that I was actually just really excited that he renewed
2: (laughs) I remember Fabrizio Fabrizio Romano ever since they signed Jadon Sancho he's just like and now that they signed Jadon Sancho he's like Bruno Fernandes He's like, has to get renewed because Sancho's salary is higher than his. And, you know, they value Fernandez more than Sancho. So, yeah, it's just whack how badly United is ran.
0: Before we move on from UEFA, I do want to continue to highlight Christian Eriksen's feel-good story. Uh, obviously returned to international duty with Denmark last week and back to goal within minutes of being on the pitch. But he continues to do his He continues his good form uh, with Denmark in this international break, scoring yet again, albeit in a defeat to the Netherlands, but it's always good to see a player suffer what he suffered and then come back. So really excited for Eriksen, really happy to see him back on the field and scoring goals for his national team. But uh, from that, we move on to a very controversial point in qualifying for the World Cup, which is uh, the African qualifiers. So obviously, last week we talked about Egypt having one up on Senegal in their um, first leg. But similar to the AFCON African Cup of Nations final we saw just very recently, uh, Egypt and Senegal had to go to penalties to see who would qualify for the World Cup. And a lot of controversy in this game. Um, So basically what happened in this penalty shootout was, uh, what was it, lasers or laser pointers were being pointed at the Egyptian players' faces during their penalties. Um, Very interesting to me because Salah actually opted to go last in that AFCON final and never ended up taking a penalty. So this time he opted to go first and absolutely skied his penalty, <laughs> um, albeit with lasers in his face the entire Sky time. It. Yeah, I've never... Yeah. I, that, was, that was just horrible. Penalty by Salah. <laughs> And then, once again, similar to the AFCON final, Sadio Mane steps up to take the fifth and final decisive penalty for Senegal, sending them to the World Cup. So... I mean yeah, a lot of football fans, not just Egypt fans around the world are upset. What do you guys do you guys think it was fair? Do you guys think the match should be replayed or is it just a World Cup qualifier at its in Africa at its purest form?
3: The game's been played. So there's just no way of replaying
2: it. That that just can't happen. Why why would it be replayed? I mean, I I think I read a report that says something about that. Egypt fans were actually the ones that started the the laser pointing. I think it was Back in 2018 or 2014, I can't remember what the report said, but they practically said it was the each of the fans that started it. And, you know, now that it happened to you, you can't complain, really. I mean, I didn't watch the game. I watched the penalties, you know, because I think I was watching another game, another friendly, and then that one went to halftime or something. I saw penalties were on, so I switched it, but that's got to be one of the worst penalty shootouts I've ever seen. I mean, both teams missed, like, I think, two penalties in a row. Yeah, I just think, on paper, I think Senegal is the better team, so I'm glad they made it because I feel they'll put a much stronger performance in than Egypt would have. And at the last World Cup, I think Egypt lost every single game, right? So, uh, I think Senegal is a better representative of Africa.
0: So, along with Senegal, Tunisia and Morocco advance, and Cameroon and Ghana advance on away goals, but... Another point of controversy over in the African qualifiers was um, the referee mistakes made in that Algeria and yeah Algeria and Ghana match. So apparently it was so bad that the official African CAF YouTube channel had to edit the highlight video shortly after it came out to uh, cover for all the referees' mistakes. So I mentioned earlier that fans are claiming that the Egypt and Senegal match should be played. There's even more shouts for the Algerian Ghana match to be replayed because Apparently the refereeing was just so bad in this game. There was a handball that was never called for a penalty. There was a goal that stood for Ghana that never should have stood. But I mean, hey, what? Well, I don't think like so, like you said, Seoul. Like the game, the match is over. I don't think much can be done at this point.
2: Africa is known um, for being corrupt. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if they didn't replay that one match where the rep called it like three minutes short, which is an actual violation and can be. Like, you know, is supposed to be replayed. They didn't replay that, I doubt they replay this, you know, they're just gonna move on. As uh as I've seen Africans fans comment all the time, they're like this is African football at its peak. So <laughs> yeah, it's just that it is what it is and they're just gonna move on and we'll probably hear about it again the next qualifying cycle. Uh knowing nothing has been done and nothing will be done.
0: <laughs> Agreed. Should be at its finest over in Africa, but We're going to move on to the last continent we'll wrap up uh, World Cup qualifying for. So, El Conenbol. Obviously, South America, uh, two teams have had their spots secured for the World Cup for a while now, which is Brazil and Argentina. But, officially, Ecuador and Uruguay have qualified now in the most recent cycle. And Peru, actually, will go to the international playoff spot ahead of the likes of Colombia and Chile. So, Chile will miss out on the second consecutive World Cup, similar to Italy. Uh... I mean, quite the drop, quite the fall from grace that team has had after winning back-to-back Copa Americas. Um, Yeah, yeah, all their talent is just aging out at this point.
2: I was surprised to see how badly Chile and Colombia performed throughout all all these qualifiers.
3: Did you guys see that in Argentina? Was it Bolivia? No, Ecuador game? Where that one fan... Grab Messi by the
0: neck. <laughs> Take a picture. Bro, I've never seen Messi so upset. <laughs> Bro. I mean,
3: what the fuck? Basically, wanted to grab a chokehold of the guy.
1: Was yeah. that the game that Julian Alvarez scored his first goal?
0: Along with all of that, uh, Shithousery from the Ecuadorian fan. Um, Argentina next in their unbeaten run to 31 now, which is great to see for that nation. And Julian Alvarez, Manchester United's new young player, Scores his first international goal, adding on to his tally for the season, which is a very, very impressive season for his club, River Plate. Excited to see what that man can do in Europe. I mean, another thing I want to quickly touch on, while we're in South America and the Americas in general, supposedly it is confirmed that Mexico will play an international friendly against Argentina and Los Angeles coming up in the next window. So I think it's safe to say that we're going to snap Argentina's unbeaten run. <laughs> what do you guys think? I not
2: know we're our ass
0: <laughs> nah, dude <laughs> Every time we play Argentina, we give them a good run for their money Whether it's a friendly, a World Cup Or a uh, Copa America not I not think in the World Cup Not in the World Cup,
2: don't lie We've gotten knocked out by them
0: twice Bro, it's because of referee mistakes It wasn't our fault That goal in 2010 was clearly offside By Carlos Tevez
2: what, what Will Smith did to Chris Rock Just <laughs> slap us <laughs>
0: No, but in all seriousness, I'm um I think Mexico does play at a higher level when they do play against these higher caliber teams. Um we saw that with the likes of Germany and Argentina, as mentioned before, in previous matches. So I'm excited to see what we can uh, how far or how how high we can measure up to the teams like this.
3: We can't, Chris. We just can't.
0: Right. You no, gotta have F.A. faith. Dude, imaginamos cosas chingones, come on. Not
2: with this team, not with this coach, not with this FA. Fine. I I
3: have faith in your faith on those assholes. I, I have faith
2: that we'll only really lose 2-0 instead of 5.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now we'll see what happens. We'll see if it's even confirmed. But anyways, so now I guess we can talk about the new FIFA rankings. <laughs> I mean, Aldo and Seoul, you guys both were very shocked to see Mexico so high up in the rankings. I mean, they jumped up three positions from 12th to 9th. And still manage to somehow be ahead of the United States and Canada? I mean <laughs> what do you guys think of all this? I mean, there's other things we can talk about in the new rankings as well, but I agree with y'all. Like, what the hell is Mexico doing so high up the list?
2: I agree. No one knows what Mexico's doing that high up. I think even neutral fans are surprised. Just like that was Mexico up there because you know, we're shocking. As we said, we've been shit with these whole qualifiers. I don't know how so anyone can think we're the ninth best team in uh the whole world. Yeah, bro. I don't know man. Mexico
3: ninth. It's in they're in the top ten. I mean don't get me wrong, when I was younger I would love have would have loved to see Mexico as a top ten. But now that I see it, I have to question it. Like what how does that happen? Like there's no way. We've been ousted by United States four times already. I say four times because they should have won an Azteca not that long ago. So, to me, it doesn't make sense how they're top nine.
0: I mean, top ten. Yeah, There's also a new leader amongst the pack. So, for so long after the World Cup in 2018, Belgium was in the number one spot, which... I mean, they deserved it, but I feel like more recently, other teams had a bigger shout for that number one spot. But Brazil has finally pipped them to the number one spot. Do you guys agree with that, or do you guys think this is just more... Uh, FIFA shenanigans.
2: I don't know if they should be number one, but I definitely think um, Belgium should not have been number one. I mean, that team has failed over and over and over again, whether it be the Euros, the World Cup, the Nations League. They just disappoint one tournament after another, and I really don't know how they kept the number one position. Whether Brazil deserves it or not, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of teams you can argue deserve it.
1: Yeah, it's been weird seeing Belgium constantly being the number one in the FIFA rankings, despite them not having won any trophies in the recent years in this golden generation that they have.
3: Boy, so, you don't even
2: watch international football.
1: <laughs> <are you> <laughs> yeah, but Belgium's always number one on those things.
2: Yeah, dude, yeah. like a genius to know, uh, that Belgium <laughs> is number one and doesn't win anything, although you don't have to watch international football for that. <laughs>
0: I think all of this just proves that whoever comes up with these FIFA rankings just doesn't watch football very, very closely.
2: No, another thing I was going to say is fucking uh, like England. England supposedly has the most valuable squad. I think was valued at $1 billion. It's a joke, of course, you know. It just shows how the prime and English tax is real, because I don't think they should be valued at $1 billion. Like, it's ridiculous.
0: All right, guys, so now we're going to have our last little bit at the international break because all with all these, um, well, with the field of the upcoming World Cup being slowly filled out, I think there's only two teams or three teams left to qualify for the tournament. Uh, we do have our designated pots from which so uh, the group stages will be drawn. So very exciting news. I kind of just want to get very quickly some of you guys' either dream matches or dream groups, dream group of deaths, because... With all these teams separated into these four pots, we can get more or less a feel of, a field of what the uh, 2022 World Cup matches will look like. So, what do y'all think? Let's just have some fun with these pots. I mean, obviously, us Mexican fans, we probably want to see a group where we're drawn into with Qatar, Tunisia, and Saudi Arabia, so we can qualify as first, finally.
2: But, I bet you we'd still find a way to blow it. I don't want to see... Uh, straight. Up, well, how far do you guys think we're gonna actually make it? What uh, do you think we're gonna make it to the fifth game? Uh, not the usual, not, no. you know, which is just the fourth game. Or, do you guys even think we'll make all the group changes? Because I honestly don't. I think
3: we're gonna. I think the group wherever Mexico's in, they're gonna have a little bit of luck, and it's gonna come down to these crazy margins, and then they're gonna lose
2: like always in the quarterfinals or. Yeah, round of 16. Round right? of 16. Yeah, like Brazil or Argentina or
0: something. Get to so along with Mexico and pot two is some other giants like Netherlands and Germany. So we can see some big matches like Germany versus Argentina, a rematch of the 2014 final. Netherlands versus Brazil. Uh, Spain versus Netherlands. Uh, Portugal's in that pot A as well. So there can be some big matches there. And then I think there's some sleepers in uh, pot three and four. Senegal, obviously the AFCON champions, so I really like. I would really, really like to see how they match up against the likes of uh, Argentina, Germany, and so on. And Canada, I really think Canada's gonna be a dark horse in this tournament, guys. I think they'll make it far.
2: Yeah, so I gotta disagree with you, Christian. I don't think they're a dark horse. I'd actually be surprised, surprised if Canada make it out of the, the the group stage. I think they will, man. I think they will. Well, fuck you.
0: <laughs> but yeah, we'll see what happens in Qatar later on this year. But uh, for now, guys, we're going to end the show with our Premier League Pick'em segment. Uh, Chris, this is the first time we're going to do this under the new name, 90 and 60+. You want to explain to new listeners or old listeners that haven't listened in a while what this segment is?
1: Yeah, so basically, we open up the NBC Sports Predictor app and every week there's a new set of matches that you can predict the score of. If you predict all five scores... Correct. I think there's a $50,000 reward. So, yeah, that's what we're all hoping to win.
0: Yeah, guys, so we could yeah, get the Premier League pick them with with uh, Chelsea versus Brentford. I mean, Chelsea is a team that's kind of in limbo right now with everything going on with their owner, but I think that's not going to matter on the football pitch. I think Chelsea still wins this game 3-1.
3: You're not doing Brentford any justice, man. Um, I think they've been doing kind of well. I still think they're not going to do enough to get the win. But they're gonna, you know, give give a good fight to Chelsea.
2: I think it's gonna be a bit closer, two to one. Yeah, I'm agree with all. Though I think it's uh, gonna be two to one to Chelsea as well.
1: Yeah, I see no other result other than Chelsea winning this. Two one seems like the smart result, the smart prediction. I'm gonna stick with that.
0: And then after that is Manchester United versus Leicester. I think it'll be a close match, but. United barely, barely wins by the skin of their teeth. I'm gonna say two to one.
3: Yeah, I, I kind of don't know exactly what to expect now um, from United, but I don't know. I think I think they're gonna do better than their last game that they had against Leicester. Um, you know, with Harry Maguire making all those fucking mistakes, but I, I still think it's gonna end up in
2: a draw. I'm gonna say two two. Yeah, I'm to uh, okay agree with all the.
0: 2-2 draw. Uh, Harry Maguire scores, scores an own goal. And celebrates it with the Leicester players. Bro, I wouldn't doubt it with his head ass, I swear.
1: I'm going to say this one is a draw. I think both teams fighting for that sixth, sixth or fifth position. And yeah, I don't think either team is in very good form coming back from international break.
0: I'm going to give this a 1-1. And next up is West Ham versus Everton. And Everton, guys, they find themselves at a relocation battle uh, come the end of the season. I mean, none of us would have predicted that early on, but that's where they are. That's where Frank Lampard and his men are. And I think West Ham are clearly the better side. So I think Everton's going to continue to fight to stay alive in the Premier League. I think it's going to be 2-0, 1-0. That's hard. I think think 2-0. Yeah,
1: West Ham have been what Everton thought they were going to be this season. Fighting for that Europa League spot, but yeah, they have not been they have not been picking up results ever since the start of the new year. I know they started pretty well with their new signings. But West Ham have been on fire for most of this season and I think they're gonna keep it up here. I think it's gonna be two nil. Yeah,
2: uh, I'm gonna go ahead and agree with Chris. Well agree with him that West Ham wins, but I think it's gonna be two one for West Ham.
3: Yeah, it, um I'm like with the score with Seoul. Um, I think Everton will do enough to get a goal, but they they just won't have enough to you know pull one over West Ham. So West Ham
0: two one. And then second to last match is Spurs versus Newcastle. Uh, Spurs were on pretty good form uh, prior to the international break, and Newcastle are also on pretty good form. But I think Spurs just have a lot more in it than the Newcastle does. So I think it's gonna be. Three to one? Yeah, three one. Two who Spurs. Yeah.
3: I'm gonna agree yeah. with with uh your assessment there. Three one's a good shout.
2: Um I'm actually gonna go well, this is a difficult one to call because 'cause Newcastle's been in good form but I'm gonna go with uh I'm go two one at Tottenham.
1: Yeah, I don't really see Newcastle pulling off a result against Spurs especially if they have a healthy Harry Kane a healthy Human son they've been looking pretty good these last few games um finally gelling in those January, January transfer transfers and uh yeah i think they're going to win this one pretty comfortably 2-0
0: and then the final result guys arguably the match of the week uh it's set to be a pretty good one it's Arsenal versus Crystal Palace Our, two teams that are in very good form uh especially recently but I mean, Arsenal just get win after win after win, albeit unless they face a top four side. But Palace is a very good side, respectfully. But I think Arsenal is just still going to be too much. Or you know what? I'm gonna go with a draw. Actually, I think a draw will favor these two teams. I'm gonna say two-two. Yeah, two-two draw. I think that's a
1: good shout. Both teams have been in good form. Both managers are finally getting results with those with those squads. I think both these teams have very young squads uh, with a lot of potential in them. They're going to be exciting to see in the next couple of seasons. So, yeah, that 2-2 seems pretty on point for me.
2: I'm agree with you guys. I think it is going to be a draw. Uh, Arsenal plays a similar style of football to Man City. You know, they set up the same. And we all saw how Palace was able to frustrate them. I see this as a 1-1 draw.
3: I agree with all you guys, you know, with the score. Um, You know, that's just the, the smart way to go. We're trying to win that 50k, uh, but a part of me does want,
2: uh, you know, Crystal Palace to to win it. United's not making top four regardless. they are gonna make top four One one.
0: So that wraps up the Premier League pick 'em, y'all. And staying on the NBC Sports Predictor app, we're also gonna do the PGA Golf Tour and the net. No, I'm just kidding.
3: <laughs> Bro, I don't even fucking watch golf. I thought you were really
0: serious there, bro. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Kind of staying in the okay. Premier League, there's some other results that are pretty noticeable. Um, Wolves versus Villa, said to be a good one. And City versus Burnley, which I have listed here as pure football versus terrorist football. So uh, it'll be entertaining to watch, uh, definitely from both perspectives. Over in Spain, we have Celta Vigo versus Real Madrid. Uh, we'll see if, Bar- if Real Madrid can start to Drop points ahead of this title race because Barcelona do play Sevilla with second place on the line. And then over in Italy, our most entertaining uh, title race in Europe has Atalanta versus Napoli and the Derby, which is Juventus versus, Turin, Juventus versus Inter Milan. So two very good high-profile matches over in Italy. And then Germany only has one pretty good match, which is Dortmund versus RB Leipzig. Uh... Kind of second place up for grabs, and but the way I look at it is the two teams that have failed to pip Bayern for the title, and we'll see which can pip or who can claim second place. So that's Europe, and now we can jump into the Champions. Well, first off,
3: we know that Real Madrid is going to eliminate everyone. Okay, I don't even know what's going to happen. I think it's going to be a good game, though. Uh, you know, starting on Tuesday, we got Benfica and Liverpool. Atletico versus City, then um, on Wednesday we got VRL Bayern Chelsea against Real Madrid. So that's the first leg for all these guys. Um, I'm actually kind of excited to see a little bit. You know, it, it's a hard game for everyone for sure. Uh, it doesn't look like anyone got an easy pass except maybe Bayern, but I think VRL can step up to the challenge.
2: You don't think
3: Benfica is an easy match for Liverpool? Mm, I think. I mean, they eliminated Barca. Granted, it wasn't the Barca that we would hoped, but they came out second. They they came out second, you know, in a group with Bayern and Barca, and I forgot who the fourth one was. So.
2: So I I don't think it'll be an easy match for. I think it will. I mean and destroyed them. I do think Liverpool will do the same as well. Because, um, I mean, if, if you saw, I, I watched the second leg versus much um, the first half of the second leg of uh, Benfica versus Ajax, and Ajax did not look good. You know, they relied on uh, one play to beat them, and they scored, and that's how they won, so I don't see that happening against uh, Liverpool. Only time will tell.
0: Yeah, I got to agree with Saul. I think it's a pretty much shoo-in that we will see a semifinal match between Bayern and Liverpool. And I'm not complaining there. That's said to be a great match. Um, it's kind of like a coin toss to see who actually advances to the final. But the other side of the bracket, I think that's where it gets more entertaining. Um, obviously, Chelsea and Real Madrid are a lot more closer match to each other. And Atletico and City, similar to City and Burnley this weekend in the Premier League, it's pure football versus terrorist football. <laughs> I mean, we'll see how if Atlético can hold off uh, City's attack. But I don't know. I think either way, we're set for some great semifinal matchups. And then with that, we'll be set with a great final. I just hope it's not an it's not an all-English final, I think. Well, here, no, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be honest with everyone. I would love to see a team win the Champions League title for the first time. So, and let's be honest, Villarreal is not going to make it. Uh, Benfica is not going to make it, even though they've already been champions before. So for me, I'm rooting for whoever makes it out of this Atletico and City tie. Yeah. Also, I'm imagine if Atletico team. do win the Champions League title. Aceh-Ace becomes Mexico's second ever uh, Mexican to win the Champions. That'd be a great win for us. And Chola Simeone finally gets revenge and his hands on that title that's eluded him over the years.
2: I can care, I can care. Um, I don't want to sleep iron win it. Um, Liverpool, I wouldn't mind, but I'd rather not, so... I mean city and Atletico, so like I agree with you. It, yeah, um, I guess we should move on to the other prestigious tournament, which is the Europa League.
0: Oh damn! I forgot all about that um, league. <laughs> Did not have that in the rundown <laughs> at all, bro.
2: <laughs> I mean, how uh, how could you forget about such a prestigious tournament? You know, arguably the best tournament in all of Europe. Um. In that one, we got we actually got some decent matches. We got Leipzig versus Atalanta, my opinion, pretty even match. So, um, yeah, I can't really choose the winner out of that one if I'm being honest. Then we got West Ham versus uh Leon, uh, another pretty even match, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know, uh, I lean more towards West Ham just because they eliminated Sevilla and what they've been able to do. You got Eintracht Frankfurt versus Barca. Um, I wouldn't say it's even, but I do think it's not an easy match for Barca. I mean, Frankfurt is ninth in the Bundes, but they are a good side, you know, and in, in Europe. Well, not in Europe, but in football, anything can happen. And then, you also got Braga versus Rangers, which is another even match, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's hard to choose a winner at all, if I'm being completely honest, but... Yeah, some decent matchups there.
0: So what does the bracket look Dang like now. for the Europa League? Are Barca, Frankfurt, Braga, and Rangers all on the same side? It's
2: Barca, Frankfurt, West Ham, and Lyon are on the same side.
0: Ah, uh, so we could see a semifinal match between Barca and West Ham. Yes,
2: yeah, it's, it's it's kind of uh, not funny. but I guess, you know, West Ham fans at the beginning of the season, when Barca was playing, like, pretty bad, you know, under Comey. Uh, West Ham fans were saying give us Barca, so I mean who knows if that sentiment still rings true. I would love if Barca played them and just shut them up. Bro, yeah. Declan Rice is going
3: to I don't know, bro. He's just going to do the job against Barca, if that were
0: to happen. Bro, Declan Rice will do the job, know you know. and then he's going gonna to bring his market value up by at least $30 million, and then Manchester United's going to buy him in the summer? Overpay.
2: Nice. He said he'd prefer move to Chelsea over United.
0: Who wouldn't? No, but that kind of sucks. I wanted to see a final between Barca and West Ham, but I guess Barca versus Leipzig or Atalanta will be just fine as well. Or Rangers. They got some pretty good players. It is a nice fairy tale story after coming back after being dominated by Celt- Celtic so many years in Scotland, and then they couldn't make their way to a final of the Europa League. Cinderella story. Yeah. Good matchups alright you All right, y'all. Let's ready. To, let's wrap up this uh this episode. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for our very first episode under the rebrand 90 and 60 Plus. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, guys. This is our 31st episode altogether under this podcast, so it's been a great experience. And like I mentioned before, guys, um, we have some more content and more changes coming up besides the name, the logo and the music. Uh, so stay tuned for stay tuned on our socials for to check all that out. So we have a new email address in case anyone's interested in emailing us out there. It is 90 and 60 at gmail.com and our Twitter handle has also changed so uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter, which is now at 90 and 60 pod. Um, so yeah stay tuned for some new exciting content from this podcast. See you guys you guys we'll see you next week as always
3: thank you guys